This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Whether it is a petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid or electric, we have the perfect car for you. See blackstonemotors.ie you're very welcome to Late Launch. I hope you had a lovely weekend. Wasn't it great to have the bank holiday, the August, the extra day? I say it should be a four-day week every week. Hope you had a nice time and nice short week for everybody this week. Welcome to the show. Lots of chat and uh, plenty of guests and uh, music and more besides coming up over the next couple of hours. Uh, I just want to start today and the month, as I always do, with the little reading from my calendar. It says for the month of August, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. It's not what you see, it's how you look at it. It's not how your life is, it's how you live it. Take that little saying with you all through this month. And a big thank you to Jer, who sent me in that calendar, always does at the start of every year. Now we begin our Tuesday as usual with Professor Paul Moyna. Hello again, Paul. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thanks very much for joining me on the show. Well, it must have been encouraging, Paul, uh, to see the weekend, uh, the amount of people who showed up for the walk-in vaccination centres, especially young people. Yeah, it's really good. I think one of the successes we've seen is the rollout of the vaccination programme. And really, our coverage now at this stage compares very favourably with many countries. And the walk-in centres are obviously an addition to that. And uh, I think it's helped, obviously, over the weekend and the bank holiday weekend as well, in terms of people being available and not being at work. So I think that was uh, timely as well. And if you look at the numbers, again, that have availed of that, I think they're very, very significant. So, again, everything adding towards vaccinating as many people as quickly as possible, which is a good thing. Paul, back to last week when you spoke to us about the vaccinating of 12 to 15 year olds, which will be beginning over the next couple of weeks and they hope to get to it uh, quite quickly. I just want to come back to that again because we had a number of questions when you left us last week again just to say, look, we we, we uh, always hang on most words that Paul says to you on your show, Jerry, and we, we just want to ask you again, please, next week to put it to him. Again, his stance on 12 to 15 year olds were being in encouraged but we've listened to what Paul had to say last week uh, have you had any change of thought since yeah I, I think Jerry it, it's a finely balanced decision and uh, Nyack uh, has said that as well and I think in fairness to Nyack so the, 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 you know who oversees and advises the government in terms of vaccination policy I think uh, Professor Christina Butler who chairs Nyack she indicated that was a finely balanced decision 
So, so basically, the the challenge in terms of coming to that decision is based around the benefit and the risk. So if you look at the benefit of, of um, uh, vaccinating children, it's, it, it's not quite the same benefit you see with older people where the risk, especially of severe COVID, is much, much more significant. Thankfully, with children, children very rarely get severely ill with uh, this virus and with, with COVID. So the benefit-to-risk ratio there is much less than for adults. Nonetheless, some children, you know, when they get infected, they do end up quite ill. Happily, they're rare. There's also some emerging concern in terms of long COVID to this situation where, in this case, children may end up experiencing symptoms, you know, long beyond the infection infectious stage of, you know, beyond four weeks. So, yeah, I can definitely see the benefit there and also non-COVID benefits in terms of, helping children return to school, making it less likely that virus is transmitted in the school environment. So all of those things are of benefits, but again, benefits less than what you would see in adults and in vulnerable populations. I guess the thing I was focusing on last week, Jerry, and I think it still remains, is the uh, the low risk, and it's quite a rare risk in terms of developing myocarditis. Myocarditis is inflammation of the muscle. And the reason why I focused on that is that it has emerged with the RNA vaccines, and these are the vaccines which will be administered to 12 to 15-year-olds. There is a rare side effect, which is this myocarditis, inflammation of the muscle. If you look at the age profile and those who are more predisposed to getting this, it seems to be young men. Um, and it was initially discovered, actually, and noticed more heavily in the Israeli army and it was noticed that they tend to congregate in the 16 to 19 age group, uh, young men, fit men. So again, a bit unsure in terms of why these are at a special risk. Is it a situation, is it age, young age? Is it the case that these are very physically active and as a result the requirement on the heart then is, is very significant? So the point I was basically making was that if you look at the prevalence of this condition of myocarditis, it seems to increase as you get younger. The data was available up to about 16 and above. So I was wondering in terms of the 12 to 15-year-olds, it wasn't possible to get that data from the trials. If the trials with the Pfizer and Moderna, both of which have been approved in the 12 to 15-year-olds, they use maybe one to 2,000 children. So something that happens at the frequency of around 1 in 20,000 wouldn't become apparent. Now, it has been rolled out in the U.S., so we have real-world uh, rollout of this in the 12 to 15-year-olds. And the point I was making was, and I'm trying to get this done, I haven't been able to get it as of yet, but the point I was making is it would be really useful to know the prevalence of that condition as a result of vaccinating with the RNA vaccine, specifically in the 12 to 15-year-old groups just to make sure that the frequency doesn't increase as you get younger and younger. And that's the point I was making, Jerry. Again, the risk, I should say, is still very, very small, but it's just that the benefit-to-risk ratio, it does get smaller and smaller as you get younger and younger, thankfully because children are quite resistant to the disease. So I can see why NIAC has made the decision, but this is just something that, in terms of the precautionary principle, I thought it may have been worth uh, visiting. I don't think it'll take long because... These vaccines are rolled out in the U.S. starting back in May, June to 12 to 15 year olds. It's more prevalent after the second dose. So it would take at least four, five, six weeks before you begin to see those effects. So we should be at a time now where if there is a safety signal 
and um, a stronger safety signal coming from that age group that should become apparent now. So I'd just be vigilant of that in terms of looking at those numbers. So are you saying to parents today to hold off or proceed? Well, again, so Nyack have basically said they've offered this to parents. It's heavily recommended. So, and I should say that it is sort of split amongst countries as well. So many countries have gone down what Nyack have actually uh, recommended. And this is in terms of offering uh, vaccines to all uh, children, 12 to 15 year olds. But for example, countries like the UK, they've sort of taken a middle ground, which probably to me would be the most prudent. And this is where... There are some children who are especially vulnerable to developing severe COVID, getting severely ill uh, from the virus itself. So the UK has made the decision that those should be absolutely strongly recommended. They should be vaccinated. And let's wait for the safety data over time to make a decision for the the, the remainder of the 12 to 15 mm. uh, year olds. So that's sort of like a middle way uh, house but again, countries are split, and you know, and I know other scientists will disagree and sort of say the benefits outweigh the risks. So it is finally balanced, very thankfully. And if there is a risk, the risk is still very low, and I should emphasise uh, that. But just sort of going on the benefit to risk ratio, and it is quite low because thankfully most people are very resistant and will not get severely ill with the virus. Um. Talk of booster jabs already, even though a lot of people, you know, are still waiting to be jabbed for the first time. Some are lucky, like myself, to probably get it early on. Um, Obviously, they're looking at this and they feel for 60 years and upwards, it's prudent to do this. You'd support that? Yeah, generally. So, I I think it does make sense, even though we don't really have the scientific data as of yet. Uh, So, one of the reasons why we're looking at this is that the report's coming out now that Maybe, you know, with well, older age, maybe vulnerable groups, antibody levels do drop a little bit to a degree that's to be expected. And as a result, people are a little bit more prone to getting infected. That doesn't mean that they lose all immunity and all protection against the virus because they still have T-cell immunity that protects them from getting uh, very, very ill. So I would say, Jerry, probably the science isn't there as of yet. In my own view, when you look at booster vaccines, we really only need to look at booster vaccines if the situation where you see people who've been vaccinated get infected and become seriously ill. That hasn't happened to any large extent as of yet. And it's it's to be expected that, you know, antibodies will drop over time and then you may become susceptible to getting infected, but importantly, you have still protection and you prevent yourself. That's really what we're seeing with the data. Those who've been vaccinated many, many months ago even though that they may be prone to infection, they're still quite protected. But it probably does make sense in terms of, you know, a third administration of the vaccine. But the ethical considerations here now as well, Jerry, not only and going back to some of the discussion around children who are at very low risk, there are ethical considerations now that should really be discussed. And that's situations where you look at countries like ourselves, which are, you know, relatively affluent. And again, we have plenty of vaccines, whereas Poor-income countries, some low-income countries, have very little access to vaccines. There we have cohorts, frontline healthcare workers, highly vulnerable people, that if they get the virus, they're going to die. So there's a major major ethical discussion there. We're already talking in African countries about boosters and third administrations. And yet at the same time, much of the world has had little access to vaccines. So there's a major ethical discussion there. I think that it's 
they're warranted as well. Molly's been on to say, and I'll put this one to you in anticipation of your answer. I'd like to ask Paul what he thinks about people not getting the vaccine. I'm unvaccinated and I'm not putting anything into my body just because the government says so. Well, I don't think it's just the government, Molly. I think it's the uh, uh, people working in the health business. Their scientists are behind this. What do you say to that, Paul? Yeah, so what I always say, even in terms of what we've just discussed with respect to vaccinating children, I, I myself, when I, when I, and I think you asked me very early on, Kerry, if I would take the vaccine, this is before the vaccine was actually yes. developed. And, and what I always said was, I would wait and I'll see the data and make sure that it's safe and that it's effective. So what I would advise to Molly is just look at the data, look at the data, see how well you know the vaccines are working. If you look at now, we have 13, 1,400 cases per day. If you were to translate back in time last year or around Christmas time, if we had about 1,400 cases per day, the hospitals would have been like under severe pressure. Yes. Vaccines clearly, clearly work. The data is out there. And again, I keep saying this, that, Jerry, in terms of the importance of data, because if the data didn't exist, I can absolutely appreciate that people can be sceptical about things. And I think that's, you know, a healthy thing and a healthy way to be. But if you've got the data and the data unequivocally shows that vaccines work, but then, you know, you really need to look at that and look at that objectively and then ask yourself, you know, why would you not? Because the choice to me is clear. It's either, I think over time and over the coming months of the year, you're faced with a choice and the choice is either get the vaccine or be infected. Is I think over time, even those of some of us who are vaccinated, over time, everybody will end up eventually being affected by the virus. And that's the reality. So you want to have the vaccine because the vaccine will protect you. And even though some people who are vaccinated may end up getting infected, that vaccine is going to protect them and stop them from getting very seriously ill. So obviously, I'm a big proponent of vaccines. They're fantastic in terms of probably their greatest discovery in terms of uh, you know maintaining good health and preventing a disease. So I just think in situations like that, always look at the data. I think if you look at the data, the data removes the emotion out of things. Some of these, especially in relation to children, it, it can get very difficult in terms of making uh, decisions. But I think look at the data and look at that objectively and then make a decision based on that. Paul, as usual, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Always appreciate your advice and I know our listeners do too. They uh, wait for you each week and they value uh, your opinions immensely. Thanks again, Paul. Thank you very much, Jerry. Thanks for joining me. That's Professor Paul Moyner there, Head of the Department of Biology, Director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. I'm just looking at his photograph here with the trophy and he's smiling ear to ear. And why wouldn't he be? Two weeks in a row he's won the event on the European Tour. I'm talking about our own Brendan Lawler, who won up north at the weekend, adding to his win across the water last week in the European Tour and he's on the line with me. Hello, Brendan. Jerry, how's it going? How are you keeping? Ah, uh, listen, man, congratulations to you. I'm delighted for you. Ah, uh, it's been a mental, mental two weeks. It's been uh, unreal. Words can't describe it. And, you know, you are about to be named or has it happened yet? They expect you'll be named number one in the world now. Uh, hopefully I'll get that shout tomorrow. So the rankings are done tonight and hopefully I'll wake up now number one in the morning. That's That's the plan. So you'll be the number one world-ranking golfer with disability in the world? Yeah, it sounds good, doesn't it? Oh, Brendan, it rolls off the tongue there. Lovely, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, my God, couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. I'm just thinking here, I'm never going to get that game with you now. 
Oh, 100%. No, I'm actually, um, <laughs> he definitely will. I'm heading to London on Monday. The schedule's pretty free after that. Good I man. Month of August off. Ah, listen, look, we, we'll set something up, but I couldn't be happier for anybody in the world of sport. Knowing you and the work you've put in, you must pinch yourself, do you, that you've won two of the big events week on week on this tour? Yeah, like, especially after the year of COVID, it was pretty tough. Mm. Um, not playing much golf and um, I kept myself solo ready and prepared at home hitting a lot of balls doing a lot of gym work and just keeping the mind ready because it was going to come back eventually and um, I was just so excited to get back playing golf and no better way to start your first event on the European tour and then the second event in the island of Ireland so no it's the two weeks was you couldn't write them. Mm. And you're heading on now to play the next event. There are a number of other events coming up now in the near future. Yeah, so I have a few Challenge Tour events in um, the Belfry in September. Yeah. And then I made it into Dubai at the end of the year. So I think there's going to be a few more events popping up from now to then. Mm-hmm. And um, the scoring was really good. So thank God the European Tour can see that we can shoot really, really good scores and hopefully that'll extend out more invites now. It certainly will. And Dubai is the aim of the game, to get there for that season-ending event. Look, we've spoken about this before. You're more or less full-time at this now. Can you knock a living out of this? Do you think it's heading in that direction, Brendan? Yeah, it's been very successful two years. Ever since I joined Modest Golf, um, Dave made golf a full-time job for me and playing in events and getting sponsorships all that sort of stuff and it's been amazing and the next step is prize money for these guys and after the conversations we had the last well the last few days and last few weeks there's going to be a lot more disability golfers making a living from it and and that's the way it should be Absolutely Brendan and when you see the money that's in the uh, the pro game at the very top level my god it, there has to be money available there to fund you guys as well I think it, it it's only a matter of time uh, but you mentioned uh, your management company there your sponsors and everything hey Mr Niall Horn is a very happy man Yeah we had a, we had a full week with Niall it was unbelievable he's such he's an absolute gent he's um, as I said in, in many interviews he's treated me like a friend, a family member from day one and he got emotional this week because there's been a lot of hard work going on behind the scenes and me and him have been working hard together and it's, it was a win for both of us this week. And you had your dad on the bag. Yeah, that was even more special to be honest. <laughs> um, dad, uh, when things weren't, when the sponsorship wasn't there, dad was, um, dad was there. He started all this. He helped me get to events when... when when Noam was helping me to get the events and um, no he was on the bag this week and we worked so well together the last two weeks and mm. it was it was incredible it was nice to um, do the celebrations with him too and to have family there as well Brendan to be cheering you on and to see them all my family were there this week yeah my granny all my cousins and um, my aunties and uncles and my girlfriend Rebecca was there too so um, no and Especially there was no crowds. No one was watching the last few events when during COVID, and to have all them there was pretty special. And it was nervous. I can't get nervous too when so many people are watching. But um, I fed off it this week. I was just so privileged to have everyone there. And um, no, we're just going to keep flying the flag. It's not going to stop here. We're going to keep breaking down the barriers, and and then we have an excuse to go to the tours and, and, and 
give them excuse to showcase what we can do. Absolutely. Did you look at the scoreboard? I have to ask you because you, you shot under power rounds all the way. Did you even have a peek up at it to see? Am I top of the pops here? We were um, we were doing the scoring through like a like an app and device. Yeah. So every every hole we played, we stuck in our scores. And I knew I had a four-shot lead going into the day and I wanted to keep my head down and focus on my own golf and not to score. And, and um, I was nervous on the first tee. And after nine holes, like it was, I was two under after nine and was five under for the tournament. And then I had a peek at the leaderboard and I think I was five ahead. There was a guy called Tommaso from Italy. He was chasing. He was flying. I think he was four under after eight holes and got the deficit to about three shots. But then I kicked on the back nine and shot one on the back nine and I was sort of nervous on 10 but uh, I had a lovely birdie on 10 and then I just kept pushing on and pushing on and it was just a special week. Mm. Oh, listen, uh, you describe it brilliantly. And of course, every golfer, we live every shot, don't we? We can remember them all, and you do. And especially when you're win- winning a major uh, event like this. So no rest, Brendan. Straight on, onwards and upwards. Yeah, there's actually, well, there's a wee bit of a rest. Um, yeah. There was a few drinks the last few days. So <laughs> I'm actually chilling out with the family today. I'm oh, actually only home. Good, good, good. So um, I'm heading to London. We're doing a showcase for the ladies' amateur, or sorry, the ladies' open in Carnoustie. Mm. So um, we're going over to, well, I'm flying into, sorry, Edinburgh, not London. And uh, we play that program on Tuesday. Lovely. And then I have a bit of a time off to chill out and then just reflect on, on mm. the last year because just been so many things happening and you can't let these moments go by without cherishing them. Absolutely. Again, I say delighted for you and uh, continued success to you Brendan and I'll give you a shout for that game whenever it's convenient and we can uh, get together for that I really do look forward to it but number one in the world our own Brendan Lawler the pride of the week out the end on dock congratulations to you Brendan again Lovely. Thanks very much, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Yeah. That's uh, Brendan Lawler there, number one disability golfer in the world. Thank you for your comments to the show. Just remind you of the numbers, 086-1800-658. That's the WhatsApp or text number. Or you can call in on 1850-715-958. A selection of your comments to us this afternoon. Uh, listening to Paul Minor, listener says, I got the first AstraZeneca uh, some months ago and I felt very sleepy after it. Second one more recently, and I'm falling asleep all too easily. Uh, I'm concerned that the all of the side effects aren't known, and I'd be reluctant on the booster. Jerry says a listener. Thank you for that. Another listener says, "Don't think twelve-year-olds should get the vaccine." To be honest, Jerry, and another one there related to COVID as well. Uh, Jerry, we were in a restaurant yesterday, and we weren't asked for the COVID passport. No questions asked at all into the restaurant, sat down, etc., and no request for it, which is the minimum requirement when you arrive into the restaurant. That's essential that that should be done under the new regulations. Anybody else experience that uh, when dining out or out and about over the weekend that you weren't requested for it, or perhaps you were? I was. I was out last Wednesday evening uh, for a couple of pints, and to be honest with you, we were asked straight away and it was checked, etc. But if you have anything to say on those uh, matters or anything else, 086 1800 658 WhatsApp or text me to the show. 
Now, you do know that we're in a crisis in this world. We really are. Uh, global warming is here and it's been here for a while. And if we don't do something, we're in real trouble. So when somebody decides to take the bull by the horns and make something happen, it's to be welcomed. But at times when they do that, they actually um, run up against a little bit of opposition or perhaps a lot of opposition. I'm delighted to welcome to the show renowned filmmaker, the Baron of Dunsany, Randall Plunkett. Hello, Randall. Hey, Jared. Nice to meet you again. Ah, great to have you on, on with us on the show once more. Look, it's seven years ago when you think of it. Where does time go since you decided to take a, a, a huge part of the estate there and rewild it? Why did you do it? Take us back then. Why did you do it in the first place? Is it was what I was saying moment ago because of this impending crisis well i think i was crazy Mm. but no um unfortunately we're living at a time and i think we're beginning to to really see it now with all the climate changes and all the things that are happening here i mean even here in ireland i mean we're not even germany and um it's we cannot wait any longer and governments and things like that they're, they're they're trying their best to help but they're too damn slow so we needed to, I wanted to do something hands-on because it's very easy to complain from the sidelines. It's very hard to do something about it. So live by example, as they say. 750 acres you've allowed rewild. And, and, and just to take us through this, I take it you've, uh, you're not having animals graze the land, pesticides gone, fertilizers, etc. All that out the door. Well, it's like this. So we have an active farm that's still being farmed in yes. a traditional way. And we have 750 acres that we have allowed to rewild. Now, there is grazing. The grazing comes from the wild animals. Okay. Uh, and we are trying to promote uh, habitat uh, reconstruction. We're also trying to, to bring animals back. Because, you know, when I was a young man, I used to hear stories about these, all these birds and animals that my great-grandfather had. And then I asked my dad, where are they? And he said, well, they're not here anymore. And uh, to be honest with you, that's unacceptable in, in Ireland. If I have to pass on to the next generation and say, oh, well, we don't have those anymore because we ruined it. I mean, that's embarrassing for us. We need to be doing something about it because these, this is as much part of our heritage as our language and, and our history. So have you seen the red kites, the woodpeckers, the barn owls, the long-eared owls, which is even more rare, they're, and the pine martin? coming back. Are they back? Yes. Red kites we have. We have more buzzards than ever. We have a peregrine falcon. We have uh, woodpeckers that we haven't had in 100 years. Mm. We have all kinds of birds, and every year something new is coming back. We're having increased uh, insects, um, birds... We have now pine martin, which I had never even seen before, mm. and now we have lots of them. And new plants are coming back, and we're starting to see a massive change in the landscape. And we're working very hard with Trinity because knowledge is power. And Ireland's not the biggest country. It's not the most uh, strongest country, but we could be the smartest if we work hard. Ah, that's really positive words to hear. Now, I, I, I talk from the point of view, say, of somebody who might have smaller farming entities. Um, what can f- people like that do? You know, you still have, as you say, uh, the traditional farm running alongside the 750 acres. What about, what do you say to people who say, well, listen, I have only a small holding. What can I do? Well, first off, I would never tell anyone not to, to, to change the way they're yeah. doing. I'm only uh, um, trying to do rewilding as something that goes with yes. normal farming. 
if we did rewilding everything tomorrow, we might have a good environment, but we'd all starve to death. Yes. And a lot, be a lot of people on the dole line. Yeah. That's not what I'm asking. What I'm saying is we can all do a little bit. Yeah. It starts with, with, if you don't have land, you have probably a windowsill. If you have a little bit of a garden, leave the grass grow. You know, if you have a little bit of farmland, you know, maybe take a little bit and, and see what happens. Because one thing I'm pretty sure is going to happen, and one of the reasons why we're working so hard with Trinity is we think that in time we will discover that there are certain things that come as a result of rewilding that could even benefit farming. Um, we know that we spend a lot of money in this country, and it's money that goes elsewhere, by the way, to foreign companies that are basically have us ransom, basically. We're being held ransom by these chemical companies. Now, it's not the farmer's fault. No, it's not. We're, we're following what, what the, the scientists have said. Now, I'm trying to produce an alternative on an alternative piece of science that perhaps we can start just advancing our the way we do things uh, in a more ecological friendly way you know i'm not completely against chemicals don't get me wrong yes. the right in the right usages in the right levels they are beneficial but we have become reliant overly reliant on them that's what i would say and i take it you've seen in your adjacent farm uh, the traditional farm the benefits of having this area close by and i, I take it your neighbors as well have well, some of them have, have stated that they have noticed a difference. Mm. Um, I won't say that every neighbor of mine has said that because that would be crazy. But yes. we are, I have spoken to a couple of my neighbors who've noticed certain benefits. Mm. Now, I think that these benefits will get bigger as time goes on because let's, let's be honest here. If I attract more bees, for example, it's going to be better for the crop farmers. I mean, that's, that we don't need to really be thinking too much about that. That's pretty much a reality. And, and it can be really beneficial as well to to land management because i mean these things as they come we will start seeing progress because one of the biggest problems we have is carbon and and we have no carbon sinks there's almost no natural trees in ireland everything is a is a plantation or if you i don't think even meat has that many of those even Mm. so you know what we're trying to do here is to try and create the base study because i can say all these statements and nobody has to believe me but if i can get that data together well it presents a case um, but most importantly, we are losing our heritage here. And, and the thing is, is that unless people start really pulling it out, we're, we're going to lose it. And then we'll be sad and ashamed about it in the next generation. Yes, and that's, and that's not good enough. You can't right. bring it back when you lose it. It's very difficult to reestablish it again. But those benefits you're talking about are primarily, and that this is a huge thing, and we've been waking up to this uh, more and more. The pollination, if we don't have bees, if we don't have all those other insects, we will starve ultimately. We are, and we're starting a, a very strong campaign here to reintroduce uh, the, well, not reintroduce, they're already here, the black bee. We're starting a very, very native, yeah. um, aggressive campaign to promote the black bee, because that's our native bee. And, and we're, they're not the honeybees that you get the honey from little. That's not the same bee. Those are the great pollinators. Those bees that, that produce the honey are often coming from places like Italy and Greece, and they have no, no ability to survive our climate, and they're spreading disease to our own bees, which is killing us off. Now, you know, we're trying very hard here because, you know, I'm not prepared to let Ireland fade and, and, and the environment to be destroyed here. Uh, we, how, what's the point of all these years of us fighting for freedom if we're just going to destroy the country? That's not good. No, so certainly not. So what we're trying not. to do here, and again, with positivity and knowledge, mm. so what we're trying to do is get the studies, advance our education, start getting young people interested in the environment again, start showing them what a 300-year-old oak looks like, 
Because you'd be surprised how many kids I've met who have never seen one before. I believe you received a, a gift of an oak from some young people which you're going to plant in a very prominent position. From the brownies. Yeah. We're very, very keen on, on the young people because, you know, when I, was, when I was a boy, I got to experience the wild. I was very privileged. Um, but I'd like that privilege to be spread a bit and have, have young people being able to enjoy the fruits of the wild here. And so we're trying to do things with schools. We're trying to do things with the universities. And, you know, if you can get them young, they can appreciate things and maybe they'll make some radical changes so we can offset some of the damage that the previous generations have done. Two things. Um, it hasn't all been plain sailing for you and you've made that clear. There are some people who don't like what you're doing. There's always going to be some people who don't like it. Now, now the thing is, is that let's be very reasonable and be very um, open-minded here. Now, it is new stuff. You know, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, new, it's a new idea, and we're trying to promote it. And, and people are always going to be a little bit hesitant of anything new. So with that in mind, uh, we have had some problems. We had people, uh, a lot of poaching and a lot of animal crime, which has been a, a major thing. Uh, obviously, there have been some very aggressive hunts as well towards me personally. Um, but without focusing on the negative, those things are changing in this country. And I don't think... Uh, a civilized society like ours is going to swallow that for too much longer. No, and you're right. It, it changes. Uh, difficult for some people. You're you're turning uh, something round full circle, and with time, I, I believe that people will see, you know, the benefits of this, and for future generations. The other thing is, Randall. Um, what about the supports from government? They don't really give you much, do they? Well, I'm, I'm still uh, never been given anything as such. So mm. um, the thing is, is that. Envir- the environmental side of Dunsany has uh, receives no funding at all. Um, I have never received a person of, uh, should we say, from the government ever came here to witness anything. Now, I have invited the council, and the council have been supportive from the sidelines. But there's the, there's the problem that I'm trying to do here for most people is I'm, I'm inspiring people to try and do this. And then the first thing they ask me, a lot of estates, and they ask me, well, well, I'd love to do this. Farmers would love to do this. How can I afford to do this? And I have to turn to them and say, well, there is no support. And forget myself. I work for a living. I have no problem continuing to do this, whether there's money or not. But the thing is, it's very difficult for me to get other people on board if they have no support at all. And, and don't get me wrong, uh, I understand that, that things have been difficult with COVID and et cetera. And I'm not, again, I'm not here to throw dirt on the government. I think they're doing a fairly good job, and they've done COVID very well, in my opinion. Um, but this needs to change, and it needs to change for everyone, collectively. We need to start creating incentives for, for, for landowners to try different things. Um, rewilding is just one tool in an arsenal, and that's what I want to push to this. This is just a different thing that we could do to counter climate change. But there needs to be a lot more uh, development in this area. Um, because there has to be more grassroots changes, because the government, in fairness to them, they're also tied. Things move very slowly in government, you know, and that's being very, very, very fair. But we need to be doing this on, everybody needs to be doing this. Councils need to be doing this. Yourself, you need to be starting to put flowers on your, on your, uh, on your windowsill. There's no excuses for anybody. Nowadays, you can go to Little and buy flowers. Mm. 
you know. Yep, yeah, no, there's uh, many, many may, uh, ways and means. Now, your lifelong passion, of course, is movie making and your first feature-length movie, The Green Sea, uh, released this month as well. And, and it ties in with what we've been talking about. Yeah, absolutely, because you know what? Uh, the, I write a little bit of what I see. And uh, I spent a lot of time here with the wild and things like that and trying to create a film. And, and that story uh, sort of developed from all of that. Because, I mean, you know, for nothing less, rewilding has been an inspiration in my life. And, and as a result, this movie came to part. Now, it's actually about a writer who's trying to finish a second novel. And, and then her world comes to life and she finds solace in nature. So, so it's, a, it's a sort of supernatural drama. It certainly is, and if people want to check it out, it's available now on Prime Video and a range of digital platforms. And do check out uh, Randall and all he's doing there uh, on Instagram, at Dunsany Nature Reserve, at Dunsany Nature Reserve. I have the world of admiration for you, I have to say. Oh, come and visit us. (laughs) I will. I promise you, I will come and visit and we'll walk and talk and you can show me round. Randall, for today, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, as always, for having me and and, uh, giving me your moment. Not at all. All Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's uh, the Baron of Dunsany there, uh, Randall Plunkett, and it's a really terrific project and I will go and visit him. I will. I'm a man of my word. I will do it. I promise. Late lunch, LMFM Radio... Lady Gaga and Bad Romance on your late lunch this afternoon. Hi, Jerry. It's about hospitals and how they can't cope. Not about children getting the vaccine, says Frank. Most healthy young people will be OK. It seems to be a competition with the government now to see who will be top of the vaccine list of countries. And as for the indoor dining, <clears throat> I have to agree, it's a joke, says uh, Frank. Uh, hi, Jerry. Could you please congratulate Mead Miners? Well done. Leinster champions. Oh, that's terrific. Beat the dubs as well. And Gail Colum Gill, who won the Fesh Cup, and Kelly Harrington, who's won a medal at the Olympics. God almighty, we love our sport. Well done to uh, one and all. Lady Gaga, funny enough, ties in with my artist of the week, who I'll be telling you about after three o'clock today. Louise, I nearly went off road in the car the weekend. Where were you? <clears throat> I was driving at about 30, 40 kilometres an hour, heading up towards Tesco. I think it was Saturday or Sunday, and I did nearly go off-road. Why? Well, I tell you why. Mm-hmm. I saw a person with a dog, just caught them on uh, my head of me, and the dog had obviously done a poop, and the person was cleaning the dog's bum. <laughs> Not picking up the poop, he was... <laughs> well, I can't just... Because I was trying... I took, I took a wobble in the car, to be honest with you, and I thought, did I really see that happening? And did you? Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, I don't know what happened to the poop, but did you ever did you mm. ever hear that before? I, I've never Andrex, seen that before. Andrex dog, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and don't say that breed of dog that you think it was. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> it wasn't a shit suit. No, I don't think it was. It could have been something. It was something small anyway. But the person hey. was cleaning the dog's backside with tissue. Oh, wow. What Isn't that to just? Do with the tissue? <laughs> I hope they picked it up <laughs> along with the shi dot t. Never heard um, of that before. And put it in. I have never seen any anybody ever see anything like that in the past. Is there anybody out there, dog lovers? Do you wipe your dog's backside? <laughs> My God Almighty, that was a first for me in all the years I've lived.
And I was reared with dogs. I always say, my father, Brendan, sure, he had every type of dog under the sun, trained, raced greyhounds, hunting dogs, pet dogs, you name it. He'd never let a dog lick him. I wouldn't either. My father would never let a dog lick him. And, uh, well, what about that, folks? Anybody else clean their dogs bum when they do, you know what, the number two. Oh, there couldn't be. No, I wouldn't think so. Couldn't I, be others. I think this was a one-off, an exception. It wasn't an apparition. I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. Somebody <laughs> cleaning a dog's backside with tissue. What is the world coming to? Anybody else out there anything to say on that? Oh, who does it? Would you admit to it? Or have you seen it before? Let us know. We want to hear from you in late lunch land. 086-1800-658. Will you WhatsApp or text me to the show? 086-1800-658 or 185715. I never see all those things? <laughs> Every time you go out, there's something. I'm observant. I'm curious. I'm always watching. I am. I am in the in the simplest little things. I see something. I, I do. I pick up things. But my God almighty. 1857 if you want to call in. Uh, so you've never seen it before. I've no. never seen it in the past. A first on me, to be honest with you. Let's see what they think out there and what they think about it. Um, there's no need to really, is there? A dog does their business and... They do, you know, it's at the self-cleansing and that, isn't it? And they get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there'll be no skid marks there for sure. That's oh. one thing for certain. No, that dog has the cleanest bum bum in the northeast or perhaps beyond. But maybe people, it is a thing they do. Show dogs, you know, going to shows. Maybe it has to be done. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like yourself. I'm a bit never lost. Never heard of it. I've never seen it. I've never. The main thing I have to say is, as long as people pick up their poops, that's mm. the main thing. You need that little bag with you and pick it up. Don't leave it. I hate to see it on the pavements and that. And you know, when I was doing the walk for Slav, I'm going to come back to this. When I was walking for Slav, you know what I did one of the, one of the evenings on the walk. What? I didn't bring music with me or anything like that. I like to walk and observe. That's why you see now you're you see I'm oh, in yeah, the yeah. world I, can't I live walk in. With that. Yeah, I can't walk if you have music. music, you don't know what's going on around you. If you're stuck in your phone, you don't know what's going on around you. I live in the world and I observe, and I think it's important that we're aware when we're in the world. But uh, when I was doing the walk for Slav, one of the de- one of the days I walked. I counted the number of poops I came across on the footpath. I'm going to come back to this, I promise you. It and the beans have to be done. They're sitting out there. They're going to happen, I promise you. Not in the same show. Not in the same show or in the same breath, that's for sure. Anyway, coming up next, she's the pride of Kells in County Mead. Olivia Kiernan is back with another massive selling book, the fourth in the series. It's called The Murder Box and we're talking to her from the UK in a moment. Interesting. Jerry. I've seen that self-same situation with a lady cleaning the dog's bum after it pooed and then this well-dressed lady walked away and left everything behind her. Poos and tissue. Oh, no way. That's just simply shocking. Jerry, I can go one better, says a listener. I actually saw an owner catching the dog's poo as they did their business. Hands under the bum bum. Oh, my God. And Maureen's been on to say, yes, Jerry, I clean my dog's bum after it poos because I don't want any stain on its coat, says Maureen, and makes no apologies for it at all. I do it all the time. God, folk. There's no accounting for folk, is there? Anyway, if you have any more to say on the topic, do get in touch with us. 86 658 by WhatsApp or text. We move on on the show today. 
it began, yes, in 2018 with Too Close to Breathe. The following year, The Killer in Me, 2020, If Looks Could Kill. And now, The Murder Box, yes, Frankie Sheehan is back in another smash hit book from the lady from Kells, who's in Somerset today, Olivia Kiernan. Hello again. How are you, Jerry? It's great to be back on LMFM. Oh, great to have you with us. And look where this book is riding in the charts. They're absolutely <laughs> waxing lyrical about it all over. How do you do it? <laughs> with difficulty. You give the best introductions ever, Jerry. Ah, <laughs> oh, listen. You make me feel good. But um, yeah, it, it was tough with this one because obviously the pandemic hit um, halfway through. So that kind of slowed the writing a little bit. So I feel extra pleased that we managed to get it out. Well, my word, did you not alone get it out? But, you know, I was reading about the book and reading a lot about it over the weekend. You know, when you hear people saying, and this, I think this is a real tribute to you, you know, this is the fourth in the series, but people are saying yeah. you could actually pick this up and read it standalone, but what you'll have to do is go back and get too close to breathe, the killer in me, and if looks <laughs> could kill, it's all good news for you, Olivia. That would be the plan. That's what you want to lure people in with this one, you know. But we, we deliberately wrote this one. I deliberately wrote it as a kind of standalone. I discussed it with my editor because even though it's part of the series mm. and definitely people who have read the first three books will get may get a little more out of it because, you know, just like that's why people read series. They read it to follow the character, to see what the characters are doing next. That's why they come back. So you have to take care of that when you're writing a series. But because when I had the idea for this book, it was perhaps what they term in the industry is a little more high concept. In other words, you can describe it in a line or so and mm. people would get or understand what the book is about. So because of that, we thought, OK, this might be an opportunity to maybe introduce the series to some new readers. And so we'll make sure that it's accessible for people who haven't read the previous three books. And then hopefully once they've read the murder box, the murder box, they might be interested in going back and reading the first three. So. Yeah, that's why we did it that way. Not sure than they will. But uh, just to remind our listeners, Detective Chief Superintendent Frankie Sheehan, who runs the Bureau for Serious Crime in Dublin, uh, they're investigating in this book the disappearance of a well-known TV celeb called Teddy Dolan. But they're not making much progress. And then, uh, uh, on the side, sort of to say, a murder mystery game is delivered to Frankie's office. Where do you come up with this? <laughs> when I was um, when I was kind of doing the publicity for the first book, I had kind of noticed that a lot of people were becoming very interested in podcasts of true crime, and mm. um, people were kind of wanting to solve real life crime at home on their own, like become armchair detectives. Yes. And there had been a lot of this um, return to the murder mystery game. And there were some companies who were compiling um, almost like real life cases that they'd made up, like there were fictional murder mysteries, but they, were, they would compile them into um, case files and it would all be very realistic. And you could sign up for these to get one of these boxes delivered to you. And then you would go on the hunt yourself for the killer. But it was, it, it was a game that you played by yourself, if you like. 
Um, so I'd noticed that. And then a few months after, I pitched this idea to my publisher and I thought, well, what if we kind of can introduce a network of murder mystery fans and that they kind of toy with my detective, Frankie, who's very serious and kind of... Um, occupies a very authentic, realistic and gritty world in Dublin for, for my crime series. So I thought, what if we can introduce this game, this murder mystery fan, these murder mystery fans to my detective and see what happens. And then later on, a few months after I attended a murder mystery dinner that was actually hosted by the author Lee Child in Harrogate at one of the big crime festivals. And when I was there, my job was to host a table of murder mystery fans. And they were so passionate about the murder mystery game. It kind of reminded me when I was a kid how obsessed I was with games like Cluedo and playing murder in the dark with my friends when I was younger. So I kind of then moved the idea up into, well, what if I just have a murder mystery game sent to my detective? I can have some fun with that to see if I can bring that element into a very that kind of authentic setting of, of police procedural in Dublin. So, um, yeah, that's where the idea kind of formed and, and kind of manifested. <laughs> so they, they always come from multiple angles, yes. these ideas. It's yes. never one thing. Yeah. And isn't it amazing, you know, where you picked up on that and how it's uh, been developed to come through in this book? And I'm not giving any more away on this. You just got to get this book because this game becomes reality. That's all I'll say. It becomes reality. And it's intriguing the way you uh, develop it through the book in parallel with that main major investigation uh, that is going on. Did you ever believe, I wanted to ask you this, because we've talked on a couple of occasions ourselves before, yeah. when you started out, you know, with Too Close to Breathe, that you, did you envisage a series like this? Um, I think once you, if you're writing crime thrillers and if you've written a detective, you have in the back of your mind that the detective might come back. As I said, when you write series, mm. it's like when we watch Line of Duty or any of the other big kind of um, crime dramas or Luther, you come back for the character almost more than the case sometimes. So um, so the minute you put a detective on the page, I think you have that, you do have that in your back pocket. You think, okay, this could be a standalone, but we might be returning to this character if readers enjoy it. Um, so yeah, you you. You kind of hope that that will be the case, but it relies, you, you're relying really on whether there's a demand for your book and whether a publisher sees some potential there down the line. So it definitely feels like slightly, sur it, well, it feels very surreal still to me to be published, but also um, a huge privilege to still be here and to still be able to write the same character again and, and hopefully again in the future. When you're being spoken in the same breath as the uh, wonderful Karen Slaughter, Ian Rankin, etc., <laughs> that really tells you, young woman, that you're there or thereabouts. I mean, that, yeah, that anytime I see um, kind of comparisons like that. And I think there is also that the Irish in you, you always get kind of embarrassed with that level of praise, mm. you know, so you kind of, there's that in, the, there's certainly that in me where I feel, oh gosh, it's, it's that's too much. You shouldn't be comparing me to those amazing titans of crime fiction, you know. Um, but yeah, ma massively grateful to those reviewers and, and hugely privileged to be compared to in any way to, to those individuals. So, yeah. 
Yeah, you're so right. It, it is an Irish thing as well. We love it, yet we try to say, ah, oh, don't be, ah, oh, you're not. I did it yeah. myself here as well. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. other people will just accept it and be, be grateful for it. And you should indeed, because those words are absolutely true. And that praise it, it is spot on. You mentioned that, you know, the, the lockdown, of course, it's been a challenge for the world, for all of mm-hmm. us as well, and for people in every uh, profession. What about uh, yourself and, you know, life? Life there in the UK where you live now? Yeah, I mean, it was very strange last year um, when we went into lockdown. I think it was shortly after you did in Ireland as well. So, um, yeah, that that really impacted my writing. Just... <sighs> It's just kind of just into the shock of it that it was really happening. And I think, as you say, every across the, the planet, I think, was probably feeling very similarly. But I think when you have to when you have to be creative, you, you for me anyway, I, it's very hard when you're under stress to kind of switch off and and um, try to occupy a fictional world, if you like. And obviously, then when the schools shut, I had homeschooling as well because I've I have a little daughter. So, um, trying to homeschool and write was was near on impossible. So that definitely slowed things down. But it is remarkable, isn't it? The human spirit, how slowly you begin to adjust and mentally, you know, kind of move forward in the world as it is now. And I think that that's something. If there is a positive to take out, I think that is something that is is um, a positive that we can take home from from this pandemic is that we, we can up against it still kind of keep nudging forward and moving forward. Um, but life here at the moment is quite, you know, where things are quite open, but definitely in shopping centres and that. Like I went to Sainsbury's yesterday, I think out of, it was very busy. I think I maybe saw two people not wearing masks. So I think people are, are still very in public and closed spaces. Most people are very cautious going forward. Um, but we, we'll see. I think we're on a bit of an experiment here in the UK and I think every other every other country is watching to see what will happen. Maybe they'll open the, open the doors a little bit more in other countries if they see we haven't all. It's probably know, the one thing we love Boris for, the great experimenter. He seems to be like that at everything yes. he does. But you're not wrong in what you say. You know, uh, a lot of people watch and follow too. I take it you ha- ain't been back here, have you? No, not I haven't. I would love to. I mean, I really try to get back. Yeah. Particularly to Kells. I usually stay when my sisters live in Kells and I bring my little daughter back to see her cousins and we stay there usually for a week and then do all the, the lovely things about me as well that I love, like seeing all the Neolithic tombs and taking my, my kids there to all, all of those. She loves all the Irish lore and legends. So I, I, I feel like I really want to kind of immerse her in that when I take her back to Ireland. So um, I really mi- I'm really missing that this last couple of years and not being able to return and head back to Ireland. And um, but hopefully, hopefully soon. That's what I'm just fingers crossed that we will be able mm. to soon and um, next year or so. So yes. but I, ha- haven't, I have got some friends who have managed to get back. So. Um, maybe in the next few months we'll see please God you will anyway can I say to you that like the good wine you just get better and better all of the time (laughs) it's all brilliant but my God you've come back and done it again I just looked at the best sellers you're riding high up there all of the praise for this book and it is I say again wholly justified you have a rare and brilliant talent and I take it um, there's other uh, themes and books on your mind as we speak 
<laughs> there are. I'm working on the next one now. It's not probably not going to be part of the series. I think we've had four on the trot now, year on year. So just a little palate cleanser for the next one and then hopefully back to Frankie again. But, you know, it's a... It, it's not as if my books are three years apart. So, so you know, readers won't have long to wait, I think, for another one from the series. But yeah, it's nice to have a little a little palate cleanser every now and then when it comes to writing, certainly. <laughs> it certainly is. Well, look, I highly recommend The Murder Box. I have a copy here in my hand and I'm going to give it away to one of my lucky listeners today. Olivia, you're fantastic. And thank you so much thank for joining you. us on the show. It's great to talk to you again. Thank you, Jerry. Take yeah, care. Yeah, lovely to talk to you too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. 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 That's the lovely Olivia Kiernan from County Mead. Folks, this book is a cracker. It's addictive. I'm not joking you. And you will go back when you read this book would you like my book I'll send it out to one of you today from the show here's the question she mentioned it just a moment ago you're listening carefully there from which town in the royal county does Olivia Kiernan hail which town in County Meath is she from answers please to 086 1800 658 so you have a choice one from three if you weren't listening attentively Navin Trim or Kells what do you think? What do you think? She mentioned it a moment ago there. Anyway, if you uh, send me the right answer, I'll get the book out to one of you today. 086-1800-658 from Witchmead Town. Does Olivia Kiernan hail? She's brilliant. She really is. Answers as quick as you can with your name and details. Late Lunch LMFM Radio still to come on the show. Oh, we have a real good news story for you coming up next, following on from something we did last week. My Artist of the Week is coming up too. And if you haven't had a breakaway yet, and you might like one before the schools go back Dave Hewitt from Irish Mini Breaks will be with us on the show after three Cleaning a dog's bottom How low can you get? Probably a Jack Russell says Melissa <laughs> I'll go lower Chihuahua If you can get lower than that let me know today 086 658 by WhatsApp or text Well last week my heart went out to my Next guest on the show, she's returning for a few minutes. Veronica McArdle told us the story of spending hours and hours looking for her cert, her COVID cert, to say she was vaccinated. She was vaccinated back in the spring, no matter what she did. She had her sister hanging on, she had friends ringing. We were onto the department. Veronica, welcome back to the show. Please, please tell me you have it at last. Yes, I got it today. Oh, great. I was so happy. It was just unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. It was just fantastic. So and I still did ring in between times and still never got through. Yeah. But uh, it came, it arrived today by post and um, I've, I couldn't believe it. So I do want to take this opportunity to thank everybody who helped me and <clears throat> who was there to uh, call for me and do all the things and my sisters and my friends and everything mm. and yourself of course and Louise which was marvellous Oh well, well look at we we only tried to nudge it on a bit if we could at all I yeah. hope it helped in some way but just well, came out of the blue in the post no notice yeah. no nothing no nothing no. and I, I did notice too they did put a thing up on Facebook so they must have heard or seen something Yeah. initially there was only one or two options and now there's about five well there was the other day there was about five options you yes. know, for you to go. And there was even a, 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 
you know, www. But I don't think it worked. But, um, you know, at least it made some effort to make it a wee bit easier maybe for people to get through. Yes, they did tell us that to one of Louise's questions that they were going to, you know, broaden out the options and I, I, they may be still working on it, making the links or whatever. But it's good to see uh, at least that happening. But it's such a frustrating time. Will you get away now? You know, you told us, no. you know, you had to change. I, I don't even care now. Now I have this, I think I'll <laughs> <laughs> She's going to go down to Dundalk and go mad in the centre of town for a start. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, you know, thank look. You, thank you so much. Not uh, at all. Really, I do really appreciate it. And thank you so much. And keep up the good work. You do a great job. And Thanks indeed. Thanks for your compliments. And we're delighted to help out on any occasion. Enjoy now and uh, thank God this has been resolved, this saga at long last. Veronica, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Veronica McCardle there. God, the poor woman, the hour she spent on the phone in the name of God. Shocking altogether. Don't forget the bingo jackpot this week. It's €7,800. And reminding you to post in your books if you play between weeks 27 and 30 to be in with a chance to win not one but two staycation breaks. They're worth €400 each. And Annie Maldron or Clayton Group Hotel in Ireland. The draw, Sinead will be doing it next Monday on the 11 to 1 show. So get the books to us and make sure you play this week. €7,800. Coming up after three in the show my artist of the week is his birthday today Dave Hewitt with a breakaway if you haven't had one yet or you want to get one before the end of August but taking us to news weather and sport at three it's aha and take on me do you remember this one I played it I, I'm sure I played it in my uh, album in the attic feature on the show some weeks back maybe even some months back I'd say it is at this stage but aha weren't they just fantastic one of the top of the pops groups way back when I had hair and I was going to discos you know what I'm talking about here they are the boys from Scandinavia congratulations to Nassani Ginnerta Balagib Conte Nami the winner of our book today The Murder Box by Olivia Kieran and Kells was the answer I was looking for that's where she's from thank you to everybody who popped me in a WhatsApp or a text I want to say a big hello today as well to Sheila Maloney she's doing great and an avid listener to LMFM Radio she is nice to hear from you Sheila continued good health Melissa's been back on she uh we mentioned the uh, Jack Russell when you're talking about stooping low on dogs' bum-bums. She has a chihuahua herself. I mentioned the chihuahua. She's a little girl called Daisy and she looks lovely. And Melissa said, you wouldn't go near her. Oh, bum-bum, Jerry, you'd uh, be uh, snapped away. And I'm not surprised at that indeed. Thanks for te- sending us the lovely pic of your beautiful chihuahua, Melissa, this afternoon. Now, my artist of the week. Well, his name is Anthony Dominic Benedetto. He was born on the 3rd of August, this very day, in 1926. Yes, Tony Bennett celebrates his 95th birthday today. And he is the quintessential New Yorker. Born, raised, lives there. And tonight, listen to this, he plays one of two concerts in Radio City Music Hall. I've been there a number of times in New York City. Along with, she was on earlier on the show with us, Lady Gaga. Yes, the pair are really good friends and you might recall they made an album together back in 2014 called Cheek to Cheek and they've announced recently that a second 
second collaboration will be released shortly. The pair of them getting together again. Tonight's concert and Wednesday's are called One Last Time and are remarkable, really, because Tony was diagnosed with Alzheimer's back in 2016. And he'd be doing great, to be honest, Richard, touring and recording up until the spring of last year when the pandemic halted his schedule. However, in recent times, his neurologist has confirmed, despite some disorientation by times, his recording sessions have enabled him to work with Lady Gaga on the new album and the concerts this week. So, on Tony Bennett's birthday, let's hear him deliver in his own inimitable way one of his most famous songs. Tony Bennett, my Artist of the Week this week. What a fantastic man he is. 95 years young, his birthday today. Happy birthday, Tony. And celebrating it in Radio City Music Hall tonight with Lady Gaga, the first of two very, very special concerts. And we'll have more about and from Tony on Late Lunch round about this time tomorrow afternoon. Now, we're into August and the year tips along as surely as night meets day, day meets night. Yes, uh, we're August bound now and of course there are only a few weeks left before schools we were talking only a while ago about schools out they'll be back in and you know it's just life is so leisurely and easy at the moment and the traffic is eased on the roads but it will come back that's the uh, circle of life anyway if you haven't been away or maybe you'd like to catch a last minute break well Dave Hewitt knows where the places are to go and check out and he's with us next Dave Hewitt from IrishMiniBreaks.ie is back on the line with us. Hello again, Dave. Jerry, how are you these days? I'm good. Thanks for joining us on the show. Just a general sense I'm getting talking to people. Resort hotels around the country, very busy. Not a lot of availability. City hotels, kick football. Uh, yeah, it's it, it, uh, it's a tough one, Jerry. I have to say it's a tough one. Uh, I was away uh, that lovely week that we had. Uh, the, the, the sun shone. Uh, it was beautiful. I, I was down in Galway. I was in Kerry. I was in Offaly. Uh, hotels were busy. Uh, a lot of tourists around. Restaurants were, were packed. Outdoor dining, of course, absolutely packed. But you know what? It was, it was brilliant to see. It was a great buzz. You know, it was great to see you know, people back out enjoying themselves, having food, having drink. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, but it, 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 obviously, you know, this time of the year, family rooms are tough to get. Mm. Anyhow, uh, factor uh, that the country was closed down for month and month into that, it's even uh, doubly tough to get, you know. But we, we, we look, I always have something for your listeners, so yeah. I, have a, I have a few things there. I can okay, go on ahead there, because, you know, they're looking at schools resuming the end of the month. If you anything think in the next few weeks, people can well, jump at. Yeah, well, look, first and foremost, uh, like, if, you're, if you're a couple heading away, uh, you won't have as much of a problem, obviously. Uh, so we do have plenty okay. uh, for couples. But it, it, I'll give you the first two family ones, first of all. Uh, last time I was on, Jerry, we launched the, uh, the secret deal. Uh, we still have some rooms left on the secret deal, not many. We have about three family rooms, uh, some twins and some doubles left. The secret deal was uh, on the 13th of August for two or three nights to a beautiful four-star hotel uh, in Mayo. Uh, swimming pool, the whole lot, uh, bar, restaurant, really, really nice hotel. 
Uh, I'll give you the family prices. Two nights for a family price, uh, including breakfast for everybody, 329. Um, for three nights, it's 409. Uh, prices for people uh, on their own, or sorry, on their own couples, 230 for two nights. Two ninety uh, for three nights. Really, really good deal. Good value uh, there. Yeah, it, it, it's fantastic value. And to be honest with you, I, I have to be perfectly honest. Uh, having been around the, the 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 country, having seen all the hotels busy, having walked the last you know couple of months, uh, seen everybody booking these hotels, the the three family rooms that I have have left there at that price for four oh nine for two adults and two kids for three nights, including breakfast. Is, is it really should be they will be snapped up anyhow I'd imagine they'd be gone today but super super deals there uh, for that one and that's in Mayo well. County Mayo lovely hotel in County Mayo swimming pool you name it family oriented uh, 100% family oriented uh, people will, they will not no one will be dissatisfied with this hotel great okay. right ups uh, call the office 01556 3400 we'll give you more details on that leads me on to the next one Um uh, I have to say, Jerry, you know, we, we would be, a, you know, a, an order to own business here. And I can tell you, we work bloody hard to get deals for people. Uh, we've, we've got a great deal uh, for something a little bit different than the norm. Uh, the Loch Derg Thatched Cottages uh, in a little small village in Tipperary called Pucane. Um, you know, we got them from the 14th of August, but they were snapped up as soon as we got them in. But we have some left for the 21st of August before they start back school. They can fit up to six people. For one week, uh, and I think it's a smashing price at seven nine five on the on the twenty first of August. We do have them after that as well, twenty eighth of August, uh, and then on into September, uh, coming in at six nine five. That's total price fit up for six people for one week, uh, a bargain even for for the bigger families. Uh, we do get a lot of people, obviously, with two adults and four kids, and want to stay in a hotel. Hotels generally don't take. Um, two adults and four kids. Yep. So this will be a super, super alternative. Thatched cottages, uh, like something off the Aran Islands that we'd read in our old Irish books, uh, the old Peg, the old Irish book. Uh, lovely, lovely cottages in a beautiful, uh, beautiful Loch Derg in uh, Tipperary. Not the Loch Derg in Donegal. Just yes. Lovely part of the world. I'm familiar with it and lots to do around the lake there. Lovely places to visit as well. You know what? It's it's great, and as I said, I I, I you know I do holiday in Ireland myself uh, every year, uh, but this year I have to say for some reason this year, Jerry, it was just fantastic. You know, just mm. obviously with the weather was was beautiful. Yes. But I just thought because we're 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 cooped up for so long, taking a week away, I didn't mind all the driving between you know Galway and Kerry and whatever you have it because it was just it was a pleasure to do it. Ireland mm. is an absolutely massive, massive, beautiful country. Uh, and we we just uh, sometimes like even me walking in the business sometimes we we don't we don't appreciate it yes we overlook it yeah and we've turned our attention back inwards now because of our circumstances and it it reminds us again what we have on our doorstep anything else for me Dave Look at the, the families. That that's kind of that's kind of it for families. Bits yeah. and pieces for families. Say um, there's only literally for for August twenty second of August. Uh, you could have family rooms for three nights. Maldron Port Leash three twenty seven. South Court Hotel Limerick uh, three hundred. Uh, Brandon House Hotel uh, New Ross County Wexford beautiful hotel three eighty eight. And one that which which we've done lots for this year is the Clayton Hotel just outside Dublin Airport, 22 minutes from Tato Park. A lot of the families uh, coming up to visit Tato Park are snapping that up because it's it's really really cheap. Three nights, two fifty five, eighty five euro a night. Uh, 
Uh, Taylor Park is huge this year, uh, and uh, we've been getting a lot of people in, uh, t- taking that uh, offer up. Eighty-five euro per night. Uh, we have it there for three nights at two fifty-five. Mm. Um, um, yeah, so plenty, plenty of selection there. Just looking beyond, uh, just here, you touched it earlier on. Just to finish up on this, into September, if you can and you're not tied in any way with schools or anything, I'm sure the opportunities really open up September, October. Jerry, uh, people may think that you know July and August would be our busiest month, and it is busy. Generally, very, very busy. We can't wait for September. September it opens up because you do get families going away but the hotels are not as mental busy so what they do is they, they you know we get hotels that kind of that we, we hardly deal with they're on to us we want rooms sold we want rooms sold because the the, 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 the panic isn't there to book rooms yeah. you know what I mean we will have and we have at the moment um, we have the best offers to, to, to beat the band as I said we, we, I think I told you your listeners before we start off with, with, with rooms from 60 euro uh, that's a family room or a double room including breakfast and the likes of the Auburn Lodge a super sale on that uh, the likes of the Kilford Arms 74 euro Kilford Arms is in Kilkenny right in the central Kilkenny lovely three star hotel we have five night offers in the likes of the Killarney Court Sunday to Friday in September 360 euro. Same with the Auburn Lodge in Ennis. Clenard Court in the Toy, four star for five nights, 410. Uh, the deals, uh, if you look at people look at Irish mini breaks, e now for September, the deal, sorry, for September, October, November, and December, the deals are there. The, the, the deals come back uh, in, in, in September. They're really, really good deals because hotels aren't as busy and they're, they're happy for us to sell our, our rooms at our rates. Some of the hotels get a bit greedy, Jerry, in July and August, and they say, well, why sell that room for 90 quid when we can sell it directly for 200? Mm. You know, so, mm. uh, it, yes, September is going to be really, really good. Uh, we, we've also, um, a very popular deal that we do is a three-night B&B plus one evening meal deal. Uh, the value of it for two people, uh, or for a family of four, because remember, up to two kids stay free in a family room and sharing with two adults. They just pay for meals. €226 for three nights in the likes of the Malden Limerick, Ballyroe Heights, Tralee, Tracy's Waterford, McGettigan's Donegal, um, the the, the likes of the New Grange in Navan, Shannon Springs in in Clare. I can go on and on. Yeah, they're all there. There's any amount of them to be had. Anyway, Dave, uh, plenty of options there. Thank you for joining us on the show again. No, brilliant, Jerry. And if I could just ask your listeners, the, the best thing to do for our offers to, is to uh, like our Facebook page. We we do everything on social media. Uh, we have a lot of followers there. We, the, the offers are no, are no, no uh, use cooped up on our desks. We put everything on social media, all the really, really good offers. So give uh, Irish Mini Breaks Facebook page a like. And uh, we, we hope to t- talk to you soon, please, Doug. Away you go from there. Thanks, Dave. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Dave Hewitt there from irishminibreaks.ie. Lots of selections there, lots of value. You hear at times there's not value in the country? Yes, there certainly is. And loads of places to go and see. Anyway, that's a lot on late lunch this uh, Tuesday after the bank holiday. Tomorrow, Wednesday, midweek late lunch. Well, they're already. Yes, Leo Morn from the Saw Doctors is with us. I'm looking forward to chatting uh, to Leo tomorrow. Sean Collins is back. 
back, reflecting on Ireland 100 years ago in this historical year 2021. Paddy Matthews' business is picking up and he's going to have a chat with us about it tomorrow on the coach front. And we'll also hear about Andrew Coscarin, uh, the man who's qualified for the semi-final of the 1500 metres, went to school in Drogheda, from Balbriggan, trained with the Star of the Sea Club. We're going to be talking to his mum, Paula, and his coach, who he credits with a lot of the work that's gone into his career, Brendan Mead, on the show tomorrow afternoon. Have a nice evening. Take care of yourselves. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. See you Wednesday, 1.30. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast with same-day business finance, so let our van specialist, Danny, find a commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.